Hi, I'm Robin Birkin. Welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast, a place for women struggling to conceive to find emotional support, conception advice, and real talk. To me, being a warrior means knowing that true glory is in rising every time we fall, having the courage to feel afraid, and being ready for whatever challenges cross our path. So welcome, warrior. You're on your way, and I promise to support and guide you on every single episode. Let's begin. Hi, Warrior. I hope you are well. Before we get started today, I just wanted to drop in and say that I really encourage you to get onto my email list. I don't email very often at all unless there's something that I need to tell you, like a promotion or a launch, but we have some really exciting things coming up in June, July. So if you would like to be the first to hear about them, then I definitely encourage you to be on my email list because that way you won't miss out. Sometimes when things get posted on Instagram, they can get completely lost in the feed. Um, But if you would like to know about some exciting things that are coming up, many of them are free, then make sure you get on my email list. If you head to my website, robinburken.com, You'll see lots of places where you can sign up and enter in your email and your first name, but worst case, go right down to the bottom of the homepage or any page really, and you'll see a little section in the bottom right-hand area where you can enter your name and your email, uh, and I will send you, you know, like a little something, like a digital download to say thanks for being in the tribe if you go in and you sign up, but If you would like to know about some of the interesting things we've got coming up, then make sure that's where you are. Today, I want to talk about a little bit of an interesting topic. It's about if I had my time again, like, so if I had my time again, what kind of things would I change about my journey and what kind of things would I keep the same? And hindsight, I'll just say hindsight's a bitch. Like I can all, we can always say that we will look back and do things differently, but in reality, it might not always look that way or it might not have always worked out that way, but I thought it was would be really interesting for you to have me reflect on my journey about, about, I guess, what kind of things did I do right or what kind of things did I feel that I did right and what kind of things do I feel that I could have done differently on my journey. So I'll talk first about the things that, you know, if I had my time again, what would I change about my journey? And I've spoken about this many, many times, but if I had my time again, I really think that I would have invested more in my emotional well-being. and however that looked. But when I was going through my journey, first time around, before I had, or when I had the miscarriage, I was struggling. I was honestly a hot mess. I would cry sometimes at the drop of a hat. And my husband, Ross, he's great, but he is a bricklayer. He's not the most emotional, talky type person. So he would kind of look at me like, I don't know what to do here. Like he would literally wouldn't know what to do. So he'd be like, do I hug you? Do I give you tough love and be like, come on, soldier through this, like buck up. Or, you know, I don't think he knew at all 
what to do. And, you know, I'll be straight up honest, he was not as invested in parenthood as I was. And he, you know, he works on a um, a building site. He doesn't see like pregnant women everywhere he looks. And, you, you know, it's not the same for dads either. He didn't see that everywhere he was. Where I worked in an all-girls school where all of the teachers were primarily female. So there was so much pregnancy around me. All of my girlfriends were falling pregnant. I have this vivid memory of going out one day for coffee with my best friends. And I love these women to death and I completely understand where they're coming from. But literally the entire conversation was about pregnancy and children and motherhood. And I felt like I literally said two words the entire time because I didn't have anything to say and I couldn't relate. And that was sort of my life. And I felt, I've never felt lonelier in my life and was generally just a hot mess. By the time that we saw a counsellor, which was when we had our first IVF cycle, I had kind of learnt some coping skills, but not probably at the level that I needed at the time. So I really think I would, if I had my time again, I'd have invested in my emotional well-being in some capacity. So whether that was reaching out to try and find a different therapist, whether that was like when I think back, I honestly don't feel like fertility coaches existed back in, you know, 2012, 2013. Maybe they didn't. I just didn't know about it. Maybe I needed to do more Googling. But that kind of person, I think, would have really supported me on my journey. As I've, you know, gone through my journey and found people, and I mean, my whole outlook changed really dramatically between you know, January to, I guess, March, April, May in 2014. Like everything changed between January and May in the way that I was coping and handling things. But I'm the type of person that really resonates when I do a course or have someone do one to, a one-to-one session with me. For me, that's what really helps me. And I really need that accountability and that personal touch and someone sort of guiding me along. I'm the type of person that I could feel like I need someone now that I've you know been on this journey, now that I've, I've had the last couple of years of hindsight, this is what I do now is, you know, the second that I feel like I'm not coping or something's not going right, I just reach out and get help. And that's been in the form of, for my children, like several sleep consultants because let's not even talk about sleep. Uh, But for myself, you know, I've had a life coach. I took Lisa Cordaff's Small Steps Back to You course. I've done all sorts of different things on my journey that have helped me since then and really helped me feel like I'm on top of my game, like I've got this covered. And that's not how I felt before. So that's one thing that I would have done. Another thing I would have done is definitely take my life off pause. 
When we had that trip to Lombok was the first time that I truly felt like I had the opportunity to escape everything that was going on around me. And prior to that, you know, it was like I was in the thick of it 24-7 and like I had this, how do I explain it, this desperation in me that it had to be now, that I had to be, I couldn't possibly forego one month of IVF treatments, whatever it was, I couldn't possibly forego one month because this needed to happen and I couldn't possibly go on a one-week holiday because what because of what would have happened with blood tests and things like that. It's complete bullshit. Like I don't think even if you are 39, I don't think that one month uh, of your cycle, you know, being postponed or even, you know, like you can check with your fertility clinic there is probably some other place that you can go, even if it's within another state that you can get your blood tests done. But I completely put my life on hold. I didn't go on any holidays until Lombok. I didn't go on any like short trips. I did nothing. I was a complete hermit, I felt, in my house. And if I had my time again, I definitely would have taken my life off pause. I would have taken this opportunity in my life to take more holidays, take more courses and, you know, things like like bucket list things. So maybe that for you, that might be an art course or a photography course or whatever that might look like to you, but just enjoying that freedom more and living, like soaking up Every single minute of life that I could is something that I would have done, you know, differently because I didn't do that. I completely put my entire life on pause and it ended up being a three-year journey. The third thing that I would have done if I had my time again is I really would have focused more on my relationship with Ross. And that's not to say that our relationship was rocky really at any point on our fertility journey. But I think that there is something to be said for relationships that have these really strong foundations and really strong rituals, because this whole journey, you need to have some sustenance in your relationship to then survive the next phase and the next phase and the next phase after that, whatever that might be. And so I think it's really powerful to have a healthy relationship, have healthy communication, have healthy boundaries in place during your journey uh, to help you then not only get through your struggle with infertility, but get through what goes on beyond that. And having children has completely thrown our relationship for a loop. And it was sort of born from our struggle with infertility that we each put our heads down, bums up, coping with the journey as best as we could in different ways, which was basically for us was immersing ourselves in keeping busy. And we still do this. Like we still are the type of people who have our fingers in way too many pies. We're still doing way too many things. We're constantly on the go. Uh, But I feel like sometimes we're like ships in the night and that, you know, we're at this point now that we're out of the thick of babies and that 
where we're really able to start focusing on our relationship again. But I feel like we would have really been helped if we had set down some foundations during our infertility struggle, rather than just muddling along and putting our heads down and forging ahead on sort of these separate but the same paths together. I don't know if that makes sense, but, you know, having those healthy communication, those boundaries, having a whole bunch of things set and having things like regular date nights. So, you know, like a ritual, the first of every month, we're going to go for a date night, having things like that in place that will not change down the track is something that I definitely would have changed because I think it would have helped me later on. If I had my time again, the fourth thing that I probably would have done would have been to do my best to continue staying off gluten. So when I was on my fertility journey, I gave up, I basically became vegan because I already didn't really eat red meat. And then I also gave up dairy. And while I was at it, I was like, I may as well give up eggs and just become vegan. And I had watched, uh, it's a long story, but my naturopath told me I should be eating things like quinoa, bought books that I thought would have recipes for things like quinoa in it, and then came across all this sort of vegan propaganda. And it really turned me off eating any kind of animal products. So as my journey's gone on, uh, I've incorporated back some products, not all of them. And like, I don't really drink milk anymore ever, but I still eat some dairy products, some chicken products and things like that. But I only gave up gluten for four months in comparison to being vegan for more than three years on my journey. Can I tell you, Being vegan and gluten-free is actually the best physically that I've ever felt in my life. I actually feel like that also contributed to how I was coping on my journey as well, but I felt a lot better when I was vegan and gluten-free, and especially this is for anyone who might have an autoimmune condition I, my autoimmune condition hasn't gone away. And if anything, it started to flare up a bit more. Um, I can't even describe what my autoimmune condition is. It's scleroderma. I've been tested positive on a blood test for scleroderma, but it doesn't have necessarily any of the specific symptoms for scleroderma, but there's a lot of different red flags that I won't go into today. But I know in myself, that dairy and gluten are like triggers for that and triggers for how I feel. They don't help me feel on top of my A game physically. And so I'm in the process right now of giving up dairy and gluten once again to just really try and get a handle on that. But I really feel like if I wanted to improve my egg quality uh, to be the best that it could absolutely be, that I really needed to have made a more concerted effort to continue not eating gluten. And again, this is where, you know, I started the podcast and I was like, hindsight is a great thing. Um, And, you know, I can always say that this is what I would have done, but would I have actually been able to sustain a gluten-free vegan diet? I don't know. The next thing that I would have done was, you know, again, kind of along the lines of my first point where I would have invested in my emotional 
well-being, I would have tried to find more support groups. So whether that was searching on Google, searching through my fertility clinic, just generally trying to find, even I guess through Facebook at that time, where I might find some more support and particularly in-person support. So now it's really easy because we have Facebook groups. So I have the Fertility Warriors support and chat groups. Props to all the people who have been joining recently and mentioning in the questions that they've come over because they've heard about the, the Facebook group through the podcast. So props to all of you, but I really would have tried to find more support groups. If I could change, you know, a couple of things, this whole emotional side would be the one thing that I would change because that was the thing that I learned the hard way. And I kind of felt like I had to do it all on my own. It would have been so much more easier if I had the support of other people. The next thing and the last thing that I would have changed if I had my time again is that I would have been more 